With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, hello, Allie. You ready for some drama? Lots of it in the air these days. Oh, Amy, I'm, I'm, always ready for the drama let me tell you like the adam levine pop culture drama the don't worry darling drama the true crime drama that happened today mm-hmm. yeah yeah or technically yesterday. that's a pretty big yeah. thing that true crime drama i mean yeah so they're letting that guy go now did you listen to that it's serial correct yeah, so it's Adnan, Adnan Syed. Um, news broke that he has been vacated. The judge has vacated his uh, conviction of murder of Haman Lee. Uh, this was in '99, I believe. Um, so the the so serial released a bonus episode today about this, and she was at the courthouse when this happened, and uh, Sarah, Sarah did. She was at the courthouse. Um, And basically what happened was the prosecutors back then did not disclose evidence that they were supposed to. And this is what led the judge to basically say, nope, he's no longer going to be in prison, vacating the case and his conviction. So um, he is now on home arrest or house arrest. Um, I call it house arrest, but it's basically he's he's being observed at his home until the court decides if they're going to continue to you know, go forward with a new trial or they're just going to be like, yep, nope, you're free. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's huge. Huge. And it, it like brought up so many conversations that we had when the first season of Serial dropped, you know, of like, well, wait, was he really there with the calls pinging on the towers? Was his friend really, you know, just talking shit saying that Adnan Adnan you know showed Heyman Lee's body to him like it's like no like he was so not a reliable witness and he was only there for the prosecutors and a lot of people are like yeah Adnan Syed is is you know innocent the evidence didn't add up so it's very exciting very exciting that is that's absolutely exciting I mean True crime podcast doing, you know, making a difference, getting that information out there and getting the interest and um, giving a voice to those who are innocent and to the victims as well. So really, mm-hmm. you know, when it's when it's done right. And it's it's done mm-hmm. right. So, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this case. Um we're going to post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Horrific Heartland Podcast if Adnan Syed is going to be going to trial again or if they're just going to completely erase the charge. So 
Um, Stay tuned. Updates coming soon. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we are, okay, well, going back to, you know, back in the day for me, I was a skate buddy. I used to hang out with the skateboarders. I had my deck. Right now, you know, I've got my Pal Peralta Rat Bones tattoo. And anybody who's Gen Xer who even looked at a skateboard, you know who the Bones Brigade was. So I, the case we're talking about today, I remember when all of this was happening. And I actually remember thinking that this particular skateboarder was a douche canoe. Because I was like a, I was a Pal Peralta girl. I was a Santa Cruz girl, you know, and those guys were like, cool. And this guy was just a douche. Anyway, so what we are talking about today is Mark Anthony Gator Rogowski. And this actually happens out in California. We're, we're going out of the heartland today just because some things have happened in his case within the past couple of months. And when I actually have to say, when I talked about this last week and I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Mark Gator Anthony, I got a text from my friend. He's like, hey, I just wanted to make sure that you get his name right. It's uh, Mark Gator Rogowski. Well, he did go by Mark Gator, Mark Anthony Gator Rogowski. So that's where I got confused. But even Ian Esbury was like, when I was like, Mark, Mark Gator Anthony, and he was like, Mark Rogowski. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So... I, I was never a Vision Streetwear girl, and so, but I do appreciate people looking out for me, and I'm sorry for any confusion. But I hope that you know, just me saying Mark Gator, you would know who I'm talking about. But we are going to talk about Mark Gator Rogowski today, half pipe to hell, on today's episode of Horrific Heartland. <laughs> My sources today, wikipedia.org, cbs8.com, hallidayreginald.medium.com, and murderpedia.org. So in the very, very beginning, so this is how Mark Rogowski got his start. Mark Anthony Rogowski was born August 10th, 1966 in Brooklyn, New York. His parents divorced when he was three, and Mark moved to Escondido, California, And the move to California would basically shape his life. That would, like, cement his fate. He was always a gifted athlete. He played Little League. And then, of course, as fate would have it, he began skateboarding at the age of seven. He was such an amazing skateboarder, and he spent so much time at the skate park that by the time he was 12 years old, a local skate team had signed him. And he immediately began winning local tournaments, attracting bigger sponsors, endorsement deals, And by the age of 14, he was considered a professional skateboarder. So in 1982, he won the Canadian Amateur Skateboarding Championships in Vancouver, Canada. And that was his first major title. So he's starting to uh, get the attention of, you know, all of these skateboarding teams and these skate Mm -hmm. companies. Because Mm -hmm. by then, you know, skateboarding is really uh, coming into the mainstream, You know, people are really paying a lot of attention to skateboarding. It's becoming such a really big thing. Um, Is it because the Avril Lavigne, was was she really the, you know, the the reason for that? Fuck Avril Lavigne. Oh, my (laughs) God. So, anyways, he made four... Sorry. Sorry for my... (laughs) Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) No. 
Absolutely not. No, 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 no. This is old school skateboarding. I mean, we talk about the glory days of skateboarding, all right? Um, you know, and as a kid in 1982, he made four to $8,000 a month just by selling clothing and skateboarding equipment, you know, with, with his name on it. And by 1987, Gator had an endorsement with Vision Streetwear. And Vision Streetwear was like the... That was pretty tops there. They hmm. they had um, they made wheels, they made decks. They were you know a major outfitter for uh, skateboarders. I was not a, a Vision girl. Vision was a bit too mainstream. I was Paul Peralta. I was Santa Cruz. You know stuff like that. Yeah, which makes He's me. He's not cool. my favorite Anyways. Marvel character, to be honest with you. Okay, so by <laughs> name. <laughs> So when he finally gets his endorsement with Vision in 1987, the company was selling about 7,000 decks each month. There were people who would only skate Vision decks, Mark Gator decks. I didn't know anybody who skated a Mark Gator because we would have laughed at them because he was just such a clown. You know, he really was a clown. He was like cheesy um, he would wear berets and just, he really just thought he was king shit. Mm. Like you'd look at him and you'd be like, if they had tag body or Axe body spray back then, oh, he, that's how he would have smelled. I Ugh. mean, really, he really just kind of left a bad taste in like a lot of skaters mouths. But... Well, I'm sorry, but if you smell Axe, it's going to be stuck in your mouth. You, you smell yeah, that true. crap for months. Ugh, it's disgusting. That's true. But apparently somebody was buying his shit because... You know, he's selling, I, I remember that, his shirts, because, you know, every skater had their own T-shirt, um, videos, stickers, and he even wore a beret, like a douche canoe. And I remember the Vision berets, and people were wearing them. Like, I would see them, people wearing them. And it's like the other people who don't know how to skateboard. Those people aren't skating. They're posers. Anyways, he's making a ton of money. Ask me how I really feel. Ask me how I really feel about Mark, Mark Gator. So, so he, you know, is very, very successful. He's like king of the vert in the 80s. And so with all of this money and this fame, of course, came ego. So he started to just really become an egomaniac. And um, he had all these endorsement deals. And his business card read, Skateboarder Extraordinaire. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Good for you, man. But in 1987, at a skate show in Arizona, Gator was introduced to a couple of skate betties, which were the girls who would hang around with the skateboarders, whether or not they would actually skateboard. But they were in, they were like, kind of, I don't want to say skate groupies. Yeah, Yeah, I don't really want to say skate groupies because they actually, uh, um, I mean, they were kids. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So he's hanging out with these skate betties. He meets these girls, Jessica Bergston and her good friend, Brandy McLean. Well, Gator fell head over heels in love with Brandy, and they started this wild long-term relationship. They had this lifestyle where they just were crazy all over the place. He took her everywhere. He took her to competitions. He took her to shoots. He took her... Um, she appeared in ads with him, and... Wait, wait, wait. They wait. were actually... Was it the lifestyle of the rich and famous? Ah! I'm going to be spewing um, were, out 2000s references in that type of 
look, so... Um, yeah, but that up. makes no sense because this was like the 80s. Yeah, but that's that's I was not around then, so I can't relate. Well, that's why I'm trying to learn you some of this Teach stuff. Teach me your ways, yeah. So Her story have lesson. you ever, did you ever see Tom Petty's video, uh, Free Fallen? Of course, yeah. He's in that with Brandy. Oh. oh. And I remember watching that going, <sighs> douche canoe. <laughs> but he would always call or send Brandy love letters from San Diego to Arizona. She lived in Arizona, so he was, you know, he was always sending her all kinds of stuff. And he just, they were just absolutely just in love with one another. And he was, you know, and then he's with her as much as he possibly can be when she's around. So finally, he bought a ranch in the mountains in California and asked her to move in. And she was like, hell yeah. So she's living in the mountains and she's like, mm, I'm like bored of this place. And he goes, say no more, baby. We'll get a place in uh, Carlsbad by the beach. So then they packed up and they moved to Carlsbad. Is that so what then- a sugar daddy is? Is that is that how that works? Because if that's the case, then I will happily accept applications. I don't think so. Oh. She was, she. I mean, she just was the, you know, skateboarder's girlfriend. Must be nice. She was, <laughs> yeah, she was the, you know, the pretty girl who, yeah, he took care of her, but, you know. Um, they're still like kids, really. Yeah, that's true. And still going, going crazy with you know, um, alcohol and drugs and just partying mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, they're like kids with grown up money. Yeah, oh, that's dangerous. You know? That's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But you know what's fun is adults who are kids at heart with grown up money. Hell yeah, it is. Then we buy all the stupid shit. Yep, that mm-hmm. we never got. That is exactly right. So Gator and Brandy were just living this crazy life fueled by alcohol. And friends all said that Gator actually had an anger issue on top of his drinking problem. And, you know, the end of his reign was starting to happen already just Mm -hmm. after a couple of years because he was a vert guy, which meant that he uh, was on the half pipe. And so what was starting to happen was street, like freestyle, and that's all the stuff like jumping the curbs and the rail slides and all that kind of, you know, the, the street skating. And that was starting to take over. So he he was really kind of already washed up by 1989. Wow. You know, people yeah. were kind of like, mm. So, but he was still touring, doing his thing. And while he was on tour in Australia in 1989, he um, spent the day making demos. Because, you know, when you're on a skate team, you're doing demos, demos and videos and all kinds of stuff and he just was exhausted by the time he was done and kind of frustrated just because you know it was just mm-hmm. you know he just was irritated just got just this day just needs to be over with and this kid came up to him and asked for an autograph and gator was like eh, no i'm just tired and he just kept trying to avoid him well the kid just wouldn't leave him the hell alone so gator actually hit the kid in front of <gasps> a lot of people yeah oh my and due to the assault of this child his sales around Australia dropped. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was to be, you know, that was to be expected. Wow. So then his popularity is declining. And then in the 90s, um, actually in, I think, 1990, Vision, which was his main endorser, who did all of his decks, his T-shirts, his clothing, all of that, 
they filed for bankruptcy. Oh, wow. Because they started to have problems because all these other, like, little companies were starting to show mm-hmm. up. So they were having issues. Um, so now he's, like, almost in a full-on tailspin. So in 1990, he's... And he's, he's still an incredibly accomplished skateboarder very talented so he's at a world cup event in germany and he was there with the rest of the vision skateboarding team uh gator went to a party he got so drunk that he went missing and his team vision manager recalled looking out his window seeing gator climb what looked like a construction crane and then he dived down from a two-story hotel Hmm. and he landed on a wrought iron fence Hmm. he impaled his neck face and thumb and then Gator, like, stumbled into his manager's hotel room, and he was absolutely just covered in blood. Holy shit. They took him to the hospital, and the next day he couldn't even remember why he was in the hospital or how he got his stitches. It was that bad. Wow. Wow. So they kind of sent him back in, like, dude, you got to get home. You know, just you got to recover from this accident. You need to take care of yourself. So they sent him back to Carlsbad. And he was like, you know what? I need to reinvent myself. Because, you know, I'm not really relevant anymore, so I'm just going to call myself Gator. He changed his name to Gator Mark Anthony. Thank you, everybody. You do not know because I was saying, <laughs> I was I had the names confused, okay? But I had them all there. I'm not a Gator fan, so sorry. So he basically explained that Rogowski was the name of the father he never knew. So he just went to, you know, Gator Mark Anthony. And he befriended this ex-surfer named Augie, who was a born-again Christian. And this guy became Mark's spiritual advisor. Hmm. So then That always ends up uh, well. (laughs) Yeah, that always turns out very well for everybody involved. So Rogowski um, converted to, like, being a born-again Christian in a strict evangelical form of Christianity. And his, I remember this, his newfound religion influenced his skateboard deck designs. I think I remember one with crosses all over it. And we were like, just horrified. Mm. Like, what the actual fuck is going on? Like, even at like 13, 14 years old, we were like, okay. So after four years of dating Brandy, he's still dating Brandy McLean. um, He suggested that they get married because... They can't have sex anymore unless we get married. Oh. And he tried very unsuccessfully to get Brandy to convert. Oh, wow. And she was like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. I'm having a great time. So Gator is also starting to crack a little bit. And there's signs of mental illness starting mm-hmm. to surface. Um, he's getting much more irrational. He would have bouts of jealousy and even violence against Brandy. Uh, one incident included him locking Brandy in a closet. Oh my gosh. So she just ended things for good and moved back home with her parents in San Diego. Yeah. And because she, she left, he couldn't handle it, and he down-spiraled. He went into this period of severe alcoholism where he just became more and more unhinged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brandy found a new boyfriend. She started dating this young surfer, and then things got really bad. She has a type, Mark doesn't lost she? His sh- yeah. Mark lost his shit, became obsessively jealous, started stalking her. One night, Brandy got you know came home and found that somebody had broken into her place, 
and they had taken everything that Gator had bought for her, including her car. Hmm. Hmm. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Is this really about somebody we know, Amy? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. There's nothing like that. I promise you. Like, wait, is this a true story in a different way? Yeah. Personal. Well, it's not my true story, but I saw that. I was like, oh, wow. He took huh. her car. Huh. Probably that, that triggered you I, a little bit. <laughs> actually, it didn't. I make jokes, oh, okay. but I'm actually okay with it. I'm fine with, I just, I tease. I just tease. But she and the police suspected Gator, and yet the police did nothing to follow up on this. Yeah. Okay. So Gator's losing his damn mind. And the last thing he said to Brandy was that he would take her somewhere, commit every sexual act with her, and dump her body somewhere in the desert. Holy shit. Scared Brandy so much, she moved to New York. Yeah. She didn't tell anybody except for her parents where she was going. And unfortunately, she failed to mention this to her friend Jessica. The same Jessica who had been with her when she met Mark Mm -hmm. back in Arizona. She didn't mention this to Jessica, and Jessica was actually moving to San Diego (gasps) at the time. Oh, no. So one night out of the blue, Gator got a call from Jessica Bergsten saying she wanted him to show her around San Diego. She had no idea what was going on. She's moving to California. She knows someone. Hey, show me around. He says, sure. They spent the day together. It was March 21st, 1991. They had lunch. They picked up some movies, had some wine, and then they went back to Gator's house. And they, you know, had too much to drink. And she's like, all right, well, it's time for me to go home. Um, And Gator left her alone in his living room. And he was like, I got to go get something out of the car. And so she's like sitting there and she's putting her shoes on. And he came back in. And she was actually staring at a, a poster of him up on the wall as she's putting her shoes on, just kind of like, mm-hmm. He grabbed, you remember the club that people used to put in their cars? Oh, yeah, over the, the steering, steering wheel, wheel yeah. and lock it? That's what he went out to his car to get, and he, he smacked her <gasps> in the back of the head with that. Hit her two or three times on the head. She fell to the floor, and she bled so much it soaked through the carpet. Oh, my. What? Yeah. And it didn't stop there. He knocked her semi-unconscious. He handcuffed her and dragged her to his bedroom on the second floor. He shackled her onto the bed. Oh, obviously, trigger, trigger, trigger warning. Trigger warning here, okay? This is very graphic. And it's... He shackled her to the bed and raped her Mm. for two to three hours. He committed every sexual act he could think of. This poor girl is still conscious and she's begging him to stop she mm-hmm. screamed as loud as she could she hoped the neighbors would hear her i assume mm-hmm. i mean what else could she do mm-hmm. so he's like well neighbors are going to hear her i need to shut her up he put a he pulled a surf bag surfboard bag from his closet and stuffed her head into it oh my gosh and she screamed according to his account saying she couldn't breathe and he he strangled her so then he, Gator drove her body out to the desert and dumped her there. And he just came back. He rented a carpet cleaner, cleaned up every spot of blood he could, flipped over the mattress to hide the blood that was on there as well. And that was that. So a few weeks later, the police came to question him about her disappearance. And they didn't find anything suspicious about him. But Jessica's father knew something was up. 
Mm. Um, and he was not happy with how they were handling his daughter's disappearance. So he was like, you know what? I'm going out to San Diego myself mm-hmm. to look for her. He plastered the entire county with posters of his missing daughter. He asked Jessica's friends about her whereabouts. He even met with Gator and asked him about Jessica. And he shook his head and was like, no, I haven't seen her. Wow. Wow. Some speculate that he actually would have gotten away with murder if he didn't feel so damn guilty. Mm. And he went to talk to his ex-surfer, born-again Christian buddy, who became his spiritual advisor, Augie, told him everything that happened. And he was like, man, you got to turn yourself into the police. And the police were absolutely shocked that Gator's there turning himself in for murder that they didn't even know happened. Wow. Wasn't even on their radar. Wow. So That's, so that's then kind of crazy day, to think that like he could have easily gotten away with it and we would have... Kn- I mean, yeah. I think eventually we would have known, but like it would have taken a long time. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So then the next day, Gator you know, took the police to the desert where he buried Jessica and they, they found her and he went on to tell the police that you know, what he did to her in his room. The police investigated his room, found all the evidence of blood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he missed a bunch of stuff cleaning. She was, again, trigger. She was badly decomposed and barely recognizable. Mm. Wow. So when he confessed, uh, Gator said he killed Jessica. To get a misplaced sense of revenge towards Brandy, Jesus. calling Jessica the mold Brandy was made out of. Wow. they were friends. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is fucked so, up. So, less than a year later, March 6, 1992, Gator pled guilty to a first-degree murder and rape, and he avoided the death penalty or life without the chance of parole. Mm-hmm. He wrote a four-page statement apologizing to Jessica's family, saying he was sure he was only seeing a glimpse of their pain and no family, no family deserved to have their loved one taken from them. And upon entering prison, he was diagnosed as severely manic-depressive. Mm-hmm. Do you think he really was uh, remorseful? Mm. You know, yeah, I think he was. I think he was. I think that he just was so freaking out of his skull. Yeah. Insane at that time. Because there was a lot of stuff happening with him undiagnosed, and I'm not excusing his behavior or what he did. Of course, yeah. Um, but I'm just saying that he was he was a uh, uh, he just was a bomb waiting yeah. to explode. I, I, it's scary I mean, to think that anything could have triggered him, and she just happened mm-hmm. to be there at that time. I think a lot of people ignored the signs, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, some people didn't take him as seriously or find him as big a threat as they should have. And, you know, we're just kind of like, I need to get the hell out of here. And, you know, yeah. but when you're in that situation where you need to get the hell away from somebody who's like that, yeah. you just need to get away. Yeah. But you can also argue that it was the time, I hate to say, you know, because it's such a cop out like oh it was just the time it was just that you know that 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 year but it's like well 80s and 90s 
mental illness really wasn't like on the forefront of everybody's mind and Mm-mm. you know therapy was Not taboo it was like you know right I mean, that had a part of it part in it too with people's reactions to that you know i think that he was clearly undiagnosed mm-hmm. something oh, 100%. you know yeah this where his moods were just whew, and the alcoholism and help. the head injury that he suffered yeah. you know this head injury that he suffered in germany when he did a swan dive onto a wrought iron fence. Oof. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was definitely some things going on there that did not exactly make him uh, a normal thinker. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. His, his uh, sense of right and wrong was just definitely, Askewed. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, he basically acknowledged that at first he wanted to pin the responsibility of what he had done on God and Jessica. But by the end of his statement, he said that God has changed me and it was no typical jailhouse conversion. I sincerely hope they can accept my apology for my carelessness. He was sentenced to 31 years in prison mm-hmm. in California for the death and rape of Jessica Bergston. So, fast forward to June 14th of this year. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 55 at the time. Mark Gator Anthony, I did it again. Mark <laughs> Gator Rogowski was granted parole. Interesting. He had been granted parole back in, I think, March of 21, and it was overturned because mm. Jessica's family petitioned mm-hmm. it and, you know, appealed it. Um, but his attorney says that he's remorseful. He spent his time in prison trying to make amends for his heinous crimes, even starting a self-help program, gender abuse prevention. He also said, um, she also said that at the time of the murder, Rogowski was stunted from abusive childhood, recovering from a serious head injury that he sustained not long before the crime. Okay. Lots of people though, though, suffer head injuries and don't, they don't kill people. You know, yeah, they're manic depressant and they don't kill people. Right. But she said that he's the perfect example. This is his attorney speaking. Her name's Laura Shepard. He's the perfect example of a youth offender successfully rehabilitated by a state prison system because upon confessing his crime and receiving a life sentence, he almost immediately began participating in prison programs to help him recover from substance addiction and reprogram him to reject the toxic masculinity, entitlement, and the anger-fueled impulsive violence that led to his crime. The system succeeded. We'll see about that. In Mark's good behavior in prison, sincere remorse and track record of making amends are proof that it works. This year, even the parole board's trained psychologist found him to be a low risk of danger to the public. And all of that was according to CBS8.com, who had published this on uh, June 14th of 2022 on their website. So I want to I want to clarify um, my my little like, oh, we'll see about that. I, I believe in re- rehabilitation. I believe that we should be putting more resources to prisons and to these offenders to better themselves for the real world and to, you know, help them process what they did. But I don't, I would just hope that he's getting the proper medication, the proper therapy, you know what I mean? Because if he's a loose cannon, you know, who who knows what's going to happen while he's out, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, Even though he has been granted parole, 
Uh, there has been no date set for his release. Mm. Uh, I think the family has 120 days to appeal it. So when was that? June 14th. Are we at 120 days? I know we're at least pretty close, close to, it, to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So and then once they reach a decision whether or not it will be, you know, it can be uh, overturned, the the judgment can be overturned, so he is granted parole or not, then it takes another 30 days for that judge to make their final decision whether or not he's going, you know, they're going to keep him, yeah. you know, keep his parole granted or overturn it. So now Mark Gator and Mark... <laughs> <laughs> Gator Rogowski is, um, he's 56, and yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, he was a kid when he did that, but mm-hmm. we'll see, we'll uh, see. There's definitely a victim in that, so yeah. when, I mean, when I say, I say it so lax and but I mean, that is a... Uh, horrific thing mm-hmm. that that girl went through and all she did was called somebody who she thought was an old friend yeah that's had no idea that's horrible i mean mm-hmm. did he you know was it premeditated did he flip i mean i i don't and, th- and think mm. about brandy in this situation survivor's guilt right you know what i mean like man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep Exactly. And I think that somebody had mentioned something about her. Um, I didn't really want to say, you know, mm-hmm. too much about her mm-hmm. because she's still alive. She's trying to live her life. Of course. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I, I feel like I feel like I read that she was like, you know, I, I knew he was. You know, crazy. I'm paraphrasing. I knew it was crazy, but I, I never thought that he had the capacity to murder somebody. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's probably was her thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. You know, yeah. I just need to get away from this guy. Not that this man's going to kill somebody. Yeah. So you never know what people are capable um, of. Yeah. Exactly. And there is another. There was a movie. I remember watching this movie. Years ago, hang on, I'm going to find the name of it because it was incredible. Oh my gosh, it's been 20 years since it was out. Um, It's called Stoked, The Rise and Fall of Gator. Interesting. Written, directed, and produced by Helen uh, Stickler. It was a fantastic documentary. Mm. It was really, really well done. Okay. And... Um, actually I had, when I was talking to Ian Asprey from the cult and I'm not name dropping, I'm just saying, cause we were talking about skateboarding and I was like, you didn't have a vision board. Did you, you didn't have a gator board. Did you? And he goes, Oh no. He says, but he says, we did let them use a song. We gave them a song to use for that documentary. Oh, that's cool. Back in 2002, it was big neon glitter off of the love album. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh. so yeah. Um, but it's, 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 that is a very, very, very good movie. In fact, I'm, I'm going to put that in as sources because a lot of the, you know, things that I also had recalled about the case 
I do remember from that movie, and that is a, a very, very good thing to go and watch just to get the overall view of what mm-hmm. actually happened and what led up to those events in 1991. Wow. Um, yeah. And that is the story of Mark Gator Anthony Rogowski. <laughs> And um, so kind of to be continued to see what happens after, you know, they they come back after the 120 days to see if he will be out on parole or or if the family will be victorious in keeping him in prison. Yeah, that is, wow. You learn so much. Mm -hmm. You never know what you're going to get on HH. You're just, you know. I know in this, that one really it took me back to a place Mm. you know of being that 13 year old kid who was so heavily into the skate culture and even then you know reading my um thrasher magazine and you know all that kind of stuff and i would see like a gator ad i'd be like whatever he just was so cheesy Mm -hmm. He was really fucking cheesy and just like, ugh. He was like the, you know, the guy who just was a big old douche. <laughs> and he just looked like a big old, and he just made skateboarders look bad because he was such an idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the other guys, you know, weren't, couldn't have been much better off. There were some badass skaters then, but he just was so like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say he was a poser because he he wasn't a poser. The, the man could skate, that's for sure. But I just didn't like him. He's too mainstream. I think he was just way too mainstream. And uh, he just, yeah, mm. rubbed me the wrong way. But I remember watching stuff on hard copy. I don't know if you, <laughs> you're uh, quite a bit younger than me, but hard copy used to be like our TMZ tabloid TV. It was amazing. And uh, things like that. So, yeah. But that is that is a story. I just, you know, it's crazy going back, being 13, 14, 15 years Seriously. old. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I was interested in the skate scene in high school also. I think that's why we're such good friends, because we were like, we have such similar interests, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was more of like... Um, it was like the gravity games. It was, you know, the the aesthetic of it, like the Dickies and the mm-hmm. black eyeliner and the not giving a fuck. And it's just like that was all definitely part of the the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah I liked the scene and itself it, and not the actual like the the uh, I guess you'd call it a sport, the sport of skateboarding. You know, the the art right. of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I skate terribly, you know, but um, I loved it. I loved everything about it. And, you know, I wasn't exactly a good kid. My parents know that. <laughs> <laughs> but skateboarding didn't make me do any of no. that. It was just, you know, us like um, punk rock skateboarder kids all found each other yeah. and you know, it was like you're, you found your, your, your tribe. tribe yeah. and that you was, found your people. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what it was for me, too, was the group of people that I surrounded myself in high school with was, was definitely the early years of the high school mm-hmm. uh, 
path. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, cracks me up now that even today I'll, I'll still run into my, you know, the old school skaters that I used to mm-hmm. be friends with and, you know, we all see each other and it's like, we've all like grown up, yeah. but we still have that little like tinge of rebellious little skateboarder. Well, they, they, you know? it's, it's funny you say that because you can say the same thing for like the ska scene. I'm, I'm a ska kid through and through. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. listening to mm-hmm. it, you know, getting into my adolescence and, um, People are like, oh, you listen to ska music still? Yes, yes, I do because it's a great genre. Don't hate it. Well, ska is not do. dead. A lot okay. of people like okay. ska. Punk is not dead. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's alive and thriving, mm-hmm. baby. It's <laughs> goddamn right. But I get a little. Um, I have a problem with being a little bit opinionated on things. <laughs> In case you hadn't noticed. So, never a fan. Never a Gator fan. Yeah. Nope. I didn't and catch that did at that, all like, in the last 40 minutes. Prick. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if anybody is out there, I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. Everybody's entitled kind of, sort of, to their opinion, depending on what your opinion is. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. He's just, he's very polarizing. Yeah. If anybody would tell me back then their favorite skater was Gator, I was like, Okay. Best of luck to you. Well wishes. I wish you all the best. Your heart's in the right place. So what are what are we? Uh, I mean, I could carry on. Like, don't even get me started about some of the the bands that. Oh, anyhow, um, God, I just I want to go skateboarding. Oh, don't break. Please don't break a hip. Please don't. Shut up. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> so for I have my brother's deck. Like, okay. you, could, you could use anyhow. You could use like a cane to like like a canoe. <laughs> so what are we talking about uh, next week? Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> um. So next week, since next Saturday the second is obviously the the first really first two days of October, we are bringing back Shocktober. Woo! Not two in the pink, one in the stink. No, definitely not. We don't. We don't. <laughs> I mean. No, I'm not going to yuck your yum, but not on this podcast. No, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, so we. That's gross. <laughs> Ew, I don't. <laughs> hey, anyway. whatever, whatever floats your boat, whatever floats your your skateboard. It doesn't though. Um. Yeah. So we're gonna kick off Shocktober so, next Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about the murder of Lisa French. Uh, this case changed trick-or-treating for not just Wisconsin, uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, or Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Uh, it, it really shaped trick-or-treating for the states as a whole. So we're going to talk about why that is and what happened that night, and we'll talk about uh, Lisa French. All right. Okay, so let's, like, let's run it down. So be sure to give us a follow on TikTok at Horrific Heartland Podcast on TikTok at Horrific Heartland Podcast on Instagram. Horrific Heartland Podcast is it Horrific Heartland at gmail.com and on Facebook Horrific Heartland Podcast. We do case updates. You can check out pictures and get a link to the podcast but be sure to like follow wherever you get your podcasts we update god willing every tuesday 
<laughs> when 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 the stars align and the fairies are in our favor, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. It's just been a busy couple of weeks for us, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, it's Mercury but, um, in the microwave. Mercury's still in the microwave. So. That's right. That's right. So, all right. Well, until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.